You are now listening to the Funkaholics Podcast. Welcome to the Funkaholics Podcast, the podcast that loves to take a walk down memory lane when it comes to collecting and talking stories, that good old locker room talk. This is a place where we talk everything and anything in the collector world and what we love. Today's episode is a great one. We are talking about the iconic man himself from WWF, WWE, the ultimate warrior. Ladies and gentlemen, I have got my brother over here. I've got Arturo with me. Hey, thank you, Nando. Anytime, brother. Guys, just a little heads up on Arturo. He is one of the biggest WWE, WWF, WCW, UWF, all the WWWs, whatever, wrestling fan. He, anytime me and this guy get together, I mean, we can chop it up for hours on just wrestling history, current, old, new, whatever. Uh, he was the perfect person that I thought of when we were when I brought up the subject of talking about Ultimate Warrior. This is Ultimate Warrior is uh, is my childhood, and I absolutely love this character. Um, no matter all the shit that was talked about him and the way that he carried himself, and you know all the stories. But that's what we're here to tell you about. So we're actually going to break that down. So. A couple of things, guys, on Ultimate Warrior that I wanted to talk to you about, and uh, before we get into you know just the the history and the and the stories that we talk or you know the stories that we remember, WWE name was Ultimate Warrior. His real name was James Bryan Helwig. He was born on June sixteenth, nineteen fifty nine, in Crawfordsville, Indiana. He passed away April eighth, two thousand fourteen, a day after the induction to the hall of fame he went too soon people a couple more things just uh uh just to bring you up to speed on ultimate warrior is uh he was with the wwe 1987 to 1991 came back in 92 and then he had another brief run in 96 he changed his last name to warrior he wanted all the rights and ownership on that some other names that he went by was the rock um or not the rock but rock with the Blade runners when he tag team with sting he was also known as the Dingo Warrior in WCCW. He went by Jim Justice. I really couldn't find any information on that one of when he actually went by that name or when he did some wrestling. I think that was kind of like after his WCW years. Obviously, he went by the Warrior too. So one of the things that I always remember about him was when they introduced him, Parts Unknown. That was part of him. They gave the weight, they gave the name, and where he was from, Parts Unknown. So that was a, a great thing about him. Intercontinental champion two times. Uh, I think that was one of the most things that he was known for. And I, I think when you talk with any other wrestling fan, it's always Intercontinental. He was such a bright, colorful character, full of energy. But the crazy thing about it is the Intercontinental belt always kind of matched what he had going on. Because he, he wore the white belt. He wore the turquoise belt. He even wore a yellow belt, didn't he? He sure did. He did. He sure did. So... He got the heavyweight belt at one time. That was the WrestleMania match between him and Hulk Hogan. An absolute great match. One of the you know one of the best in my childhood that I've seen. So enough about me sharing a bunch of a uh, bunch of stuff on him, brother. Uh, what do you? Or, or actually, almost forgot this, guys. Got so excited talking about the man over here in the Funkaholics. We do everything the right way. So we're gonna go ahead and cheers to Ultimate Warrior. And to a great episode. So here we go, guys. Right on. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So let's get back. Let's get back into this, and let's get down to the business, brother. Talk to me about your memories of the Ultimate Warrior. Oh man, you see, like you said, you you were telling me your childhood memories are Ultimate Warrior. So I'm a little bit older, so you know, being dated in there, you know, my childhood memories they go back to different wrestlers such as like you know the von erics the freebirds the very first time i saw warriors when he came out as a blade runner rock and blade okay. runner steam they were in that mid-south wrestling owned by uh, jerry jarrett they were supposed to be the the next legion of doom road warriors and there stuff you know. so when i first saw him come out man it was it was crazy and before they had the paint on they were just they were just using mascara That's eyeliner right. and stuff like that and they were painting <laughs> their lips with eyeliner it was funny man the cool thing about it is they were managed by uh, Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert. There you back go. Then. Oh, man, and that's another great wrestler that you could talk about. Yes, sir. Stuff. Another guy that, man, he he left way before, man, his time. And it was, yeah, it was it was awesome to, to 
see them and wrestle in, in there in that Mid-South. And then uh, it became UWF and stuff. And so many great wrestlers and stuff that went through there and everything like that. You had, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You had, shoot, Dr. Dusty Williams, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the names go on and on. You know, and and watching them come in there, but it was it was cool to see them because you were you were waiting to see between him and Sting how they were gonna be the next Legion of Doom and and stuff, and then it just got so crazy that he had his vision on how he saw things, and that's and, one and and Sting, you know, Sting had his vision, right? And that's one thing that we'll learn in this episode about the Ultimate Warrior is he had his own agenda, like you said, he had his own vision for where he was going with this. When they found him, I mean, he was just a professional bodybuilder. That's correct. And the way that... And and this goes back, guys, to where I talk about Drew McIntyre being one of the wrestlers that Vince McMahon always visions. These are the type of wrestlers that he loves. Gigantic, full of muscle, and athletic. Mm-hmm. Ultimate Warrior was definitely one of those characters that that opened up the door for all that. He sure did. Yeah, it, and it was it was crazy to see him when he broke away, and, but then he went to World Class Championship Wrestling, which that's what I grew up watching every Saturday and stuff, you know. And uh, to see him going in there, and that's when he was the Dingo Warrior. Yes. You know, and it was... <laughs> Horrible it was, name. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> the hell, man. And then, uh, but he, he had some very good success in there and stuff. And then, uh, you know, uh, in that short-lived run that he had there... Um, Got to see him plenty of times as the Dingo Warrior when they used to go to El Paso, the lovely El Paso County Coliseum. There we go. And stuff, man. It brings back a lot of memories in that. And then, of course, when he went to uh, WWF, which is now WWE and stuff, and he made his appearance over there. And it was, man, he just brought that nostalgia, the, the way that he carried himself and stuff. And, of course, you had the Hulk Hogan. Who can't forget the Hulkster, man? Right. Yeah, that was my watching. Oh man, Hulkamania and everything. <laughs> and then you watch Ultimate Warrior come in, and it was like he changed man, the game. He, he changed it. He sure did. And and then the way he did his interviews, it just he brought it to a whole different level than what people were used to seeing. And then people were like, you couldn't understand what he was saying. I, I said, had no fucking clue as to what he said, <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah, I was keyed in. Like you know, he could rant off on a bunch of crazy ass shit and i'm just sitting there like yeah yeah you know whatever and his little snores exactly right at the end man right at the end at everyone's attention man and that's what i loved about him and stuff and and like you said intercontinental title the the history behind that belt and it and it and it hurts and it's painful for me now watching the wrestling and Seeing that how that title kind of just drifted down, they changed you know, it too. And, I wasn't and, happy about and that. And they don't have too much uh, honor and history into it. I'm kind of glad right now. You know, AJ Styles has the belt yes. and stuff, and I think he's going to do something great with it. You know, my boy, the Miz. Right. I'm a Miz guy. <laughs> you know, that guy right there, man. He brought nostalgia to that belt. Yes, and he stuff. did. And he and you know, I, I I can't wait till they put a strap back on him because I think they can do great things with him. But with the warrior man, the way he carried himself, the way he carried that title, and it's like you said, it was cool. That belt changed to whatever his attire was. Exactly. And stuff. So it didn't just stay the black belt like you you would see on any other wrestler. Right. So that was pretty cool. And then the different outfits he had, just his entrance, man. People were like, "This fool running down the ring is gonna run out of gas before the match even starts." Yep. <laughs> but it just dude, that's just the way he got the crowd going. The music, stuff. the music was an adrenaline oh, rush, man. Yeah. When you hear that. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, you're, 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 me as a kid, because I mean, when I when I was growing up listening to this, the moment that music hit, man, I'm running around the house. My dad's looking at me like I lost my shit. You know, my dad even made me like tassels and stuff like that. You know, and I'd reenact, you know, what he was doing. Even now, man, I mean, I the the hair on my arms will raise. You know, just thinking yeah. about it and coming out and then. When he would grab those fucking ropes and just start shaking them and you see the muscles all over. When he would stand up next to like Hercules or Warlord or all these bigger wrestlers, man, that's just dream matches. That's like what we picture, you know, when, when we're, like I said, locker room talk. Oh, yeah. When we're standing out there and we're talking about it, we're like, man, you know, put Ultimate Warrior up against Drew McIntyre today. Beautiful matchup. Um, 
you know, Razor Ramon was one of my favorites too. I mean, it just the fuck Goldberg. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Back in that day, man, they had big wrestlers. You had the British Bulldog, all these gigantic wrestlers, and you you've got this opportunity to to put them all up against each other. Absolutely great wrestling. The storylines were fantastic. Yeah. What the rivalries, it? man. Was, yeah. Him and him and Ravishing Rick Rude. That's the greatest rivalry you can get right there. Exactly. Stuff, man, and the way Rude was, <laughs> man. I'm I'm sorry, man. You got the people that try to reenact him, and the afterwards you had your Val Venuses, right, and stuff. And Val just, Venus yeah, was, hey, hey yeah, I'm a fan. You know, you know, hey, hello, ladies. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you know you can you can go with that all day long. You know the shower scenes and right. all that stuff. You know, but the but music. I, yeah. <laughs> You know, but and now we got Robert Roode. We got Robert Roode, and that's the closest thing. You know that he's he, built like him. He I'll give him that. Yeah, he can't rock the mic though, like Ravishing Rick Roode. And there's a lot of wrestlers today that aren't. You know, they're not there. But yeah, yeah just a, a this was a really great time in wrestling history. A couple of things, just you know, to go back on, and and one thing that I want to throw at you because I know we're gonna we're gonna hit history like crazy on this, but Blade Runners, if they stayed together. What do you think would have happened with them? Oh, man, they would have been one hell of a tag team. The longevity they would have been competing with LOD. Back then, too, there were so many great tag teams at the time. And you had the Midnight Express, you know, held by Jim Cornette. You had the Rock and Roll Express. Before they were the Rockers, they were the Midnight Rockers that I used to watch them in the AWA. You know, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. The Fabulous Freebirds, man, you can never... You can never have a conversation without the Freebirds. The Freebirds were what made tag team what it was. You know, there was so much talent. Right. And it was, and the thing I loved about it, it was so many different territories. And everyone had their their signature wrestlers in each territory and stuff. And and everyone was like, man, what if this territory got with this territory? And they just had this free-for-all type deal and stuff. And that was just the beauty of it. You know, and of course you had, hell, you had Nikita Koloff and all them guys, man. I, I remember those guys. It was, then you can't forget the Four Horsemen, man. Right. You know, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, the Enforcer. The originals. Man, the originals, man. Got your brain then, busters. Yeah, you got Ole Anderson in there. <laughs> then they got Barry Windham. I mean, the list went on and on. Right. But of course, you can't forget your boy, man. Nature Boy. Exactly. That's why you're, I know you're Woo! the, <laughs> you're the Nature Boy. Nature of Boy. <laughs> and so, so. Yeah, I mean, I think if they stayed as a tag team, the sky would have been the limit either way for them. True. But either way, man, they were both successful in singles, you know. The crazy thing about it, too, is I think they were they were destined to become such iconic characters. I would have loved to see a, a couple of years, you know, maybe three to four years stint as with them as a tag team just to see where the Blade Runners could have gone. I think they could have given L, uh, LOD a hell of a run because of LOD didn't have... A lot of competition. I mean, they were the road warriors at the time. You know, when these times came, you know, when, when all these came in at, at, at these times, like I said, you know, it, it's just there wasn't a huge competition for the road warriors. There, there was all these great other tag teams that we loved watching. Mm -hmm. But from a fan perspective and that wow factor... Road yeah. Warriors were in their own place, you know what oh, I mean? They, they were, there was there was nowhere to touch Nobody them, could touch them. You had them on this pedestal, and they were way the hell exactly. up here. Exactly. And everyone else was just striving to try to... You could put so many people on the other pendulum, and it wasn't going to shift. Exactly. It just stayed that way <laughs> and stuff, you know? And But damn, dude, who can you compete with, you know, Hawk and Animal? You right. Know? And then being led by precious Paul Ellery. Exactly. You know, and you watch these guys come in, they come in with the fucking bikes. <laughs> <laughs> and they had the shoulder pads with the, the spikes. The pads with the spikes. Like, everyone's like, what the The fuck? war paint. The oh, just, dude. I mean. Trust me, that was like one of my first wrestling toys, man. There you go. The Road Warriors. Boom. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and you notice my dad like telling you, go to bed. I'm like, oh, what a rush. You know, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I... I sit back and think, and, I, and like I said, you know, this is locker room talk. This is that, you know, this is that great thing that we can throw back and forth. And, it, you know, out of all the tag teams at that time, you know, had the Blade Runners gotten the opportunity, you know, maybe two or three years worth of, you know, working together and, and, and doing things, I think they could have been the ones that gave, you know, gave a challenge. Those are the, those are four huge ass wrestlers that you would love to watch just beat the living shit out of each other. Yeah. So, you know, uh, definitely, you know, something that was missed, 
something that you know we can we can relive maybe in video games someday. Because oh, yeah. they even try reenacting it later down the road. This time bringing in Warlord and Barbarian. You know, exactly. Powers of Pain. Yep. You know, but that didn't that couldn't gel and work and stuff. And then you had Demolition. Yeah, Demolition. You know, but you can't axe and smash axe those guys, smash. man. I love watching those guys. The Repo Man. The Repo. <laughs> the Repo Man. Yeah. Oh, uh, one of the. You know who never got a lot of fucking credit but was big as fuck? The Berserker. Yeah. The dude was gigantic. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, we we got sold short. So, a couple of things that that I wanted to, to bring to the table today. And, you know, like I said, you know, we're going down memory lane. So, my biggest memories of Ultimate Warrior was, one, um, my dad took me to Tingley Coliseum. At that time, the Ultimate Warrior was doing a lot of road shows. He was doing house shows. That's, you know, they they were working on building up the character. They wanted him to get that ring time, you know. So my dad literally got me to the, the entrance, the runway, to where I actually got to put out my hand and he, and he hit it. Great, one of the greatest days of my lifetime, man. We, the night before, brother, I was sitting there building a poster of... My dad helping me draw out his mask, Ultimate Warrior written all over it. I mean, I was just pumped, man. I wanted to hold up the sign, you know, just so everything, you know, worked out great on that. Uh, I can't remember who he wrestled at that time. I think I was just too busy losing my shit that I actually got to, you know, smack his hand when he was running through. The time there, the excitement, the rush that you get from the dude, like I said, you know, the moment the music hits... He's running out there crazy. He gets in there. He whoops a mask. He grabs the rope, shakes the shit out of the ring, and then he's done. You know, he's he's out of there. That probably felt like 30 minutes to me, and he was probably in the fucking ring less than five minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's just one of those great memories. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Again, you know, on the promos, like I said, I never understood what the hell he said, but I absolutely loved it. I was drawn in. He had me pulled in. Some of the things that I want to go back to. The battles with Papa Shango. You remember those ones? <laughs> Good old Godfather. Good old Godfather, yeah, man. That was yeah. a great time. One of the things that I wanted to get into um, that made the character so great is the introduction of The Undertaker. What do we remember from that one? Oh, man. Shoot. So he got... he. So they, they started, you know, they started a, a, a battle between the two. And um, Warrior shows up. To the what the fuck was it called the something parlor? It was with the Undertaker and Paul Bearer. Remember yeah. where they had their own? They had, they all had little, yeah. They had the coffin set up, and Ultimate Warrior shows up, and first thing he sees is the fucking logos all over the coffin. Mm-hmm. Had no idea that he was gonna fucking end up on it. That drove me insane, man, growing up, because I'm, like, literally screaming at the TV, like, get him the fuck out of there, he's gonna die, it's sealed shut, you got these idiot actors, you know, trying to use a drill, a fucking sledgehammer, I don't know what the hell they pulled out, a crowbar, like, it was just a really good story that they were telling, so then, they finally get him out, they gotta give him, you know, they're giving him chest compressions, and... CPR and shit like that and you know it's just you know it's and you're probably crying because you thought he's dead oh dude I was <laughs> oh my god man I was I was hugging the shit out of my Ultimate Warrior wrestling buddy you know my dad's sitting there you know trying to calm me down and you know it, like, like I said it was just an absolute just great part of storytelling in WWE history um, for those of you listeners that you know aren't too familiar with Ultimate Warrior you know, and you want to check it out, like I said, YouTube, hit YouTube, you can find all this information. We get out of that, and what happens? It leads into three tests with Jake the Snake. So here we come, introduction to, to Jake the Snake. Oh. Jake the Snake reaches out to Ultimate Warrior, tells him, I can take you to the dark side because that's what you're going to need when you take this guy on. Mm-hmm. So what was one of the ones that they put him into? They stuck him in another coffin. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. Then what did they do? They put him in a fucking snake pit. Yep. There's that hissing viper that was there, you know. I don't know what the fuck it was shooting or whatever, but it gets a hold of Warrior, right? Yeah, exactly. Then we got the buried alive. The third the third test that Jake the Snake puts him through. 
Was the Buried Alive the second part? All, I, I know I remember there was a part where Ultimate Warrior was down and Jake the Snake, Undertaker, and Paul Bear all fucking show up. And it, it was a whole stunt. Yeah. And it was Jake the Snake working with Ultimate Warrior the whole fucking time. I mean, not Ultimate Warrior, the Undertaker. With Undertaker, yeah. yeah. Just, like I said, absolute... Some of the best storytelling ever. Uh, that one was a, a, a really great time. Like I said, you know, it was like every, you know, every episode that was coming up, I was glued to the TV. I was ready to watch because I wanted to see what the hell was going to happen. Uh, some other things that I that I remembered was obviously the battles with Ravishing Rick Rude. We got to see Ravishing Rick Rude's ass for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> the, lady, the ladies definitely love that. They, they love that part. I know my mom did. <laughs> One of the things that I loved about Ravishing Rick Rude's character, too, was whoever the fuck he was wrestling, he either had them, what is it, uh, not not uh, airbrushed onto his ass yep. or on the front where his crotch was. <laughs> <laughs> those those battles, th- those matches were really great, too. There was a lot of great storytelling in that. And I remember one of the, you know, the first time that they were, the, they were introduced to each other, it was the, uh, they did the pose off, right? Where they were you know flexing doing poses and shit like that yep. and then i forgot who the hell it was but somebody jumped in they attacked warrior and then it went from there that was one of the ones where i was heartbroken and pissed because when rick rude and warrior went at it for the intercontinental title warrior lost it because bobby heenan fucking yeah. held the leg held his leg down yep. yes yep Hello, so, the brave, eh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Some of the other ones was when he tag teamed with Hogan. That's when they were going to take on Sergeant Slaughter and... Yeah, it was... Uh, General Adnan? General, yeah. What? Ad- Adnan, and it was like Mustafa. There you go. I just, redu- I just remember... It's Iron Sheik, bro. Iron <laughs> Sheik. I was like, come on. <laughs> uh, who else did he tag with? Uh, Macho Man, the Ultimate Maniacs. That Ultimate was a great Man, one. Yeah. They had Brutus the Barber Beefcake with them too. Yeah. Uh, one of my other favorite ones was uh, Survivor Series. When they created the most ultimate team that I have ever heard of. You had Warrior, Texas Tornado, and Legion of Doom. Who the fuck is going to stop that team? Yep. You know what I mean? That yeah. just... That's the best of the best right there. Oh, I know, man. And a lot of people back then, they're like, who's a Texas Tornado, man? Kerry Von Erich. The modern-day warrior. The modern-day warrior, man. I remember having his shirt. That was a big physique guy there, man. And, you know, uh, watching him in world class with his brothers, you know, unfortunately. And a whole family that, you know, so tragic, but, you know, they still have Kevin Von Erich. Kevin Von Erich has his kids that are still in the business. Talking about a family that had a hex over on Oh, yeah, dude. Tell me about it, man. But great wrestling family and stuff. Uh, Fritz von Erich knew how to, you know, to promote a business. If you're going to promote it, promote it around your kids. There you go. You know, you don't have to worry about people bouncing and (laughs) stuff. But uh, like you said, so much talent in those people, man. Like I said, the Legion of Doom. Shoot. Hawk and Animal, dude. There's, I mean, that's crazy. Exactly. I've seen... That's a story itself with that team, dude. Yeah. With the with the battles that they did, and so with people, you know, they went up with the, the Steiner brothers. You know, yep. they, they they didn't care. They <laughs> they fought anybody, you know, and stuff. So, yeah. But with the Ultimate Warrior, I know that a lot of those fun things. My a lot of the great storytelling matches that he had that I that I kind of hold to heart. Rick Rude, you know Rick that. Rude. I mean, that was just a great storytelling line between those two. They had that chemistry, that charisma. Oh, yeah. You know, they brought out the best in each other. The other one, too, was... Uh, and I had mixed emotions, man. Title for title, WrestleMania. WrestleMania you know, <laughs> WrestleMania 6. Hogan, Hogan and Hogan and Warrior. Hogan and Warrior. I was a big Hogan fan, you know? And I went for Hogan that night, and I cried, man. And I was like, <laughs> kick out, kick out. Yeah. You know, and, but you and know that what? kick out was close to the count. And it was. You know, but you, but know, you know what? Warrior got him. You know, he, he, he beat him square in the ring. I, I liked it that Hogan, you know, took the title, handed it to him. It was basically, I'm passing the torch to you. Just like Andre the Giant did to him in WrestleMania 3, you know. Um, passing the torch. And that's that's the one thing that you like to see in the with these wrestlers and stuff. Definitely. And, and stuff when they're passing the torch to somebody and they say, here you go. Run with it. It's your turn. It's your time. 
you know, and, and the and warrior. Pushed it away. Yeah, and it was kind of <laughs> tough, dude. It was a tough pill to swallow watching that they didn't give it to him as much and the longevity right. and the title reign is. But, and the flip side of it, now that I see it, I loved it because he got to end it with the Macho Man. Yeah. And man, that storytelling was awesome. Sensational and Sherry oh and the Macho King Randy dude, Savage. That man. was one hell of a match. Yep. You watch those two guys beat the hell out of each other, put their finishing moves, getting kicked out. Because back then, when your finishing move came on, it was it. Yeah. There was no was kicking it. out. Yeah, I don't care was... how great of a wrestler you were, <laughs> that finishing move came on, you were done. Yeah. It and was they, over. They, you never thought about anybody kicking out of that move. And that was. That match was for... That was for Macho Man's retirement. If, right. he, if Macho for, Man lost, he was done. He was done, and yeah. if Warrior lost, he had to go. And that was the return of Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, I remember that, man. But that was one hell of a match. And I, that was the greatest match on that pay-per-view card for WrestleMania and stuff. And that, that always sticks to my mind. And just, just the way that they carried each other and the storytelling in that, man, two awesome men. Very you know, and it was that 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 match right there is the favorite, my favorite match of all time, and seeing that, and then unfortunately, you know, WCW comes along and uh, they want to reenact all this stuff, and it just, dude, I mean, and and you try to bring it back, and that was just a horrible, horrible match between him and Hogan uh, and stuff, man, and, and even I, and even Warrior admitted, man, he goes, if I would have known this crap, man, I would have never came back with no matter how much money that they were paying me. Fucking Bischoff and was Russo writing the stories at that time too? Uh, Russo was there. Bischoff, man, he he had free reign with Ted Turner's money. Yep. He just the bad thing was is he gave the power to Hogan, Nash, all the all, NWO, and those guys just they killed it. Yeah, you know because it was all about them. It was all about what we get out of it. Exactly, and it wasn't about the business and. And that was sad, man, because, damn, there was so much talent on WCW. Well, I, man, I remember the day that I heard that he was coming back. I was so fucking pumped. I made sure that the TV was set. I made sure that the, and yes, people, I'm saying VCR. I made sure that it was set <laughs> so that I could record this. It was a 30 to 45 minute fucking, I don't know what the hell was going on. He came in. They had the right tools. Yeah. They just didn't present it well. They brought him. They should have gave him fifteen minutes tops, if even that. I would have let it go eight to ten minutes. Get the people excited. Tease them. Mm -hmm. Then they had this gimmick with the smoke. Yeah, the entrance thing was just horrible. Yeah, because that's not the warrior that people remember. You want to hear that pop? You know, you want to hear that. And that's what you're waiting for, and all of a sudden you just see this man walking out. And you're like, "Who the hell is that?" Yeah, you know. And it's like, and then when you see it's the warrior, you're you're excited, but then you're like, "That's not really the warrior." Right. You know. And then we start the OWN, One Warrior Nation. Yeah. He only has one member, the disciple, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, <laughs> and warrior gets like maybe four matches in there and then it goes to shit with halloween havoc where he wrestles hollywood hulk hogan yeah. one of the worst fucking matches i've ever oh. seen i was so disgusted then it goes off air so you don't know what the fuck's going on afterwards yeah. Yeah. the nwo gets a hold of him and then he's gone some of the things that i remember in the middle of that though of the storytelling was hogan looking in the mirror and the fucking ultimate warriors right there mm -hmm. great Awesome storytelling, but then they shit the bed. Yeah. You know, yeah. something totally changes. They don't stick with the story and let it flow the way that it should have happened. You know, the funny part about that match, brother, is uh, the only thing that I remember from that match is Hulk Hogan lighting his face on and his eyebrows on fire oh, because God. he botches the freaking flamethrower. That little fireball. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Oh, man. And he's literally... I mean, it's obvious, and bless your heart, Hogan, for... Staying with it, I mean, you should have just tossed it to the side, hit Warrior in the nuts, and call it a day, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that yeah. was oh my god, yeah. it was uh, that was definitely you know a, a bad day, like well, a couple of bad weeks for me, you know. Just you get keyed in on some of the storytelling. They 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 present some really great stuff, and then all of a sudden it goes 
it goes bad. You hear all these different stories, you know, and, and people talking about, you know, the way the Warrior felt when he was in WCW. I know he wasn't happy. No, he wasn't. There's a lot of stories that come from other wrestlers. I know I listened to the, you know, the, the JR podcast. JR was kind of an asshole towards Warrior. He didn't really care for, you know, the way that Warrior handled the business side. Mm-hmm. But he did give him a lot of respect and saying, you know, the family man, I got the utmost respect for him, you know, we, you know, for him to get inducted and then pass away, absolutely, you know, I don't wish that on anyone. Yeah, that was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, the other one, what? Uh, why can't I think of his name? Not is it Bruce Pritchard? Brotherly love. Brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He tells some really great stories of Ultimate Warrior. One that he shared was a real funny one was where Ultimate Warrior first got introduced to WWF, and it was around Thanksgiving, so they got this huge like buffet of food, and Warrior was just packing shit on the plate. Well, Hulk Hogan's watching this the whole time, you know, we're men, we're big dudes, I feel a little bit of competition coming on, so Hogan goes and does the same shit. Well, they slam all this food, and then Hogan's looking at Warrior and tells him, how are you going to wrestle tonight? Warrior tells him, not on the card. (laughs) (laughs) So, Hulk Hogan's got all this food in him, and he's got to figure out what the hell he's going to do to get ready for his match later tonight, thinking that Warrior's doing, you know, the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of backfired on him, but uh, another great story that I heard about Warrior that I absolutely love came from Bret Hart. So Bret Hart said, you know, we're, you know, we're out in the back, sit at the tables, you know, we're eating, you know, whatever. Well, Warrior grabs six or eight chocolate chip cookies. He literally crushes them right in front of Bret Hart and just sniffs them. And they're looking at him like, what are you doing? And Warrior looks to him and tells him, I get, these are all bad for me and I know it, but just the smell of them is all that I need. And that goes back to the way Warrior kept himself in shape. You know, we talk about his physique. He becomes such a legend in wrestling history that people will start rumors because when he disappears, everybody thought he died. And someone else, some type of twin, doppelganger, comes out. And they didn't actually believe that was him mm-hmm. because of the body transformation. Yeah, they he were... came in a little bit smaller, but it was still the same guy. Yeah, <laughs> they sure did. Yeah, and I know WCW did even try to do a spinoff with uh, Renegade. Yeah, there you go. I was like, oh my gosh, man. Just, you, you can't, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't do I that. I don't care what you try to do, man. You cannot replace someone like the Ultimate Warrior. It's either you got him. Or you don't, right? And 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 what you get, what you see is what you get from right. the warrior. He didn't he didn't try to hide nothing, and that's what I loved about him. You know, this is what you're gonna get. I'm right here in the story. Yeah, and that's what I loved about him. He wasn't one of those backstage political yes man type deal. Exactly. Oh, this is how I envision things, and this is what I'm gonna do. If you don't like it, okay, we'll cut our ties and we'll go elsewhere. You know, and then right, you know. And like it's funny, we were talking earlier, we were talking about, because like I told you, I finally saw the documentary on WWE Network on him, the one I had before, which you have as well, you know, the... The Destruction the, the, of the Ultimate Warrior. The Destruction Warrior. of the Ultimate Warrior. I just couldn't believe how easily they can just make someone look so bad. And and it's like, that wasn't who he was. And I, stuff, and then, and then all of a sudden you do a new documentary, and then you try to... You try take to back, save face. You try to take back everything that you said bad about him. Yep. And stuff, and it's like you guys are just so hypocritical. It's not even funny, man. And I, I, I think on that one, my opinion on that one, I think Vince was in his feelings on that. I think because you hear from Triple H and everybody else, Vince was absolutely in love with Ultimate Warrior. Vince knew exactly where he was going, and then also Ultimate Warrior's putting asses in the seats, and they're buying all of his shit. Mm-hmm. Of course, he was outselling Vince is, Hogan. He was outselling Hogan. Vince is gonna absolutely love this. We see in in the in the newest documentary on him, the relationship and the way that Vince McMahon looked at him, and you know how they mended everything. I mean, Warrior even reaches out to him and gives him that book. Yeah, the little engine that the could. Little, yeah, the little yeah. engine that could. So it tells you one of the other things that I found out about Warrior, and because like I've, I've got the books on him, I've got everything, I've watched almost everything on him. He was an artist. So that tells you where all this iconic colors come from. You know, he did his own face paint. The family man side too, absolute great story. One thing that I also wanted to to talk about, you know, on, on, on my fondest memories is one, 
I got to see him live at Tingley Coliseum. I got to hit the man's hand. Well, I got to meet Miss Dana Warrior. Uh, I remember you telling me, man. Yeah. September 23rd, 2017. Hawk Show. Santa Ana Star. I could not believe it. We're sitting one or two rows back from the ring. I look to the right of me. And, brother, it's like I saw a ghost. Mm Mm-hmm. I knew who she was because I obsess over Ultimate Warrior. You know what I mean? When you're a fan, you obsess. Oh, yeah. I literally, I'm sitting down there and my boy Jesse is like, bro, who are you staring at? And I'm like, dude, that's Dana Warrior. That's the Ultimate Warrior's wife. I can't believe, like, I'm two fucking seats away from her. Jesse, uh, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> Good old Jesse, bro. Good old you gotta Jesse, love, you gotta bro. Love him, bro. You gotta love Jesse. Oh, man. He, he hooked it up. So, you know, he's telling her, like, are you Dana Warrior? And she's like, yes. And the moment she said that, I looked to her and I put my hands together and I just told her, I love you. Thank you. You know, she gestured to me, you know, after the match is over, come over here. So the match was over. I went over there right away. I'm starstruck. And she's the one thanking me for being a fan of her husband. She sat there and told me, you know, real quick in so many words, like, thank you so much for being a fan. I showed her my tattoo. I, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm dumping everything on her. She's so cool that she puts us on her Snapchat. She, like I said, you know, she's thanking me for being a fan. She hears all the great stories of how her husband, you know, touched so many fans, changed their lives. All these things, and I just could not believe it. I got a picture with her, something that I'm going to hold on to, you know, for the rest of my life. Such a beautiful woman mm-hmm. on the outside and the inside. Yeah. I can see why my warrior was tied to her, you know what I mean? Because just, she didn't have to tell me thank you for being a fan, you know what I mean? She didn't have to say any of that. Mm-hmm. But just hearing, you know, hearing that was just, it just blew me away. And it just told me that the type of people they are. Exactly. Um, you know, just beautiful people on the inside you know it kind of gives you an idea of what type of person you know warrior was you know they depicted him to be this ugly person when it came to the business side we never got to hear the story maybe from warrior but maybe he was looking out for his family the whole time or you know everything that was leading up to you know every man wants to support his family or you know make that make that money and and if you're seeing seeing all this product when you come running out into the ring and you're not getting the financial end of it, you got to raise a little bit of hell. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to share that story. Like I said, you know, it was just, you know, in, in, an amazing moment. I couldn't believe it, you know. It, yeah, I remember. You You texted me right away. You're oh, my brother. Right. <laughs> You're my brother, because unfortunately I didn't get to make it to that to that uh, that show right. and stuff. And, uh, and I remember, brother, you cannot believe who I just met. And I'm like, ooh. You're all Dana Warrior, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. I, was like, I had to show the picture for and proof. Then, uh, yeah, you stand in the picture, and I was like, oh my god. And I'm kicking myself in the ass, right? And, and then your mom's like, what's the matter? I said, fucking Nano just met Dana Warrior, and then she, she was like, who? I was like, ah, oh, never mind, forget about it. <laughs> Get out of here. Let me look at this picture real quick. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. So, you know, just, you know, like I said, you know, we're taking a walk down memory lane, you know, uh, a couple of things, a couple of other things that I wanted to ask you, brother, because, you know, your, your knowledge for, you know, for WWE is, is deep and, and and wrestling period, you know, professional wrestling, because, you know, we can go down the road into a bunch of other stuff, but in all the podcasts and, you know, the YouTube videos and, you know, the books and magazines and all this stuff that you, that I read about Warrior, I know one of the things that was always mentioned was, and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna lead you down this path of you know what I, what I wanted to go into, because I almost feel like the warrior, or the Ultimate Warrior, came back to us, but in a different person. So where I'm going with this is one of the biggest comments from all these wrestlers that you hear from is. Warrior had the physique, he had the look, he had the gimmick. Everything was there but the ring knowledge. He was a very rough wrestler. Um, there was mistakes that, that happened in the ring. You know, there was times where he almost, you know, hurt one of the other wrestlers. Where I'm going with this is, who does that remind you of on another wrestler that that came in? He blew the world away in WCW. <laughs> there was a lot of them, bro. There's a lot of them, brother. I mean, uh, 
to me, one of them that can kind of stick out like that too is Scott Steiner. You know, Big Papa Pump. You know, his his physique was. I mean, he was always a very well you know physique guy. But right. Now he's just this freak. You know, yeah. freak of nature. But I mean, you know, but uh, he he sticks out as one. Um, shoot. He had his his uh, his ring entrance was almost similar to Ultimate Warrior. He wasn't running in like his ass was on fire, but you know it was uh, it was something that gets uh, the adrenaline going. I'm trying to think who else, man? Because I mean, <laughs> like I said, dude, there's a lot of people that uh, I, I see there. Boy, I like you say Goldberg, yeah, and and man. It's, it's, one, it. it's one of those things, dude, that they're green. Yeah. You know? And it's... And, you know, Goldberg, though, he came from a football background and stuff. Uh, warrior, ultimate warrior, bodybuilder, you know? And I don't think it was something that's always intentional and stuff. You know, they're just yeah. trying to perform. Now, if they were... Come up in this wrestling family, like back then, you had so many freaking wrestling families, they... All grew up. You got the hearts. You know they grew up in the dungeon. Yeah. Hell, they got their ass beat before they became wrestlers. Exactly. You know who who would want Stu Hart freaking twisting your body into a fucking pretzel? <laughs> right. And like stop fucking crying, you little bitch. You know, hey. <laughs> you know, but yeah, uh, Goldberg is you know, kind of does you know because unfortunately he uh, ended Bret Hart's career. Yeah. You know with that freaking kick to the face, man, and it was. And, dude, I was a big-time Bret Hart fan. I still am, you know. Right. Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be, you know. And uh, the ex, the ex- with him with him and Jim the Anvil Neidhart, oh, my gosh, right. man. Who, you, you can't do with the, the Anvil. They just complimented each other, man, yeah. you know. And being, you know, that they were brother-in-laws and stuff like that. And, of course, Davey Boy Smith. He, he right. Was a member of the Hart family, you know. Uh, Brian Pillman, you know, they were all all family, you know, yeah. it's all one thing, and then it, it, it's gone down now into the kids, you know, you got David Boy Smith Jr., you know, Tyson Kid, even though he was a family friend, but, you know, you got Natalia, yeah. you know, and, you know, Tyson Kid, he he was, dude, one of my favorites to watch, and, you know, unfortunately, they got that neck injury and stuff, and, but, you, dude, I see him now, because, uh, you know, I follow Natalia in, in Instagram, and, you know, and I see him in his workouts and stuff, dude, I, I'm like, Waiting, I'm like, this is the next edge return. Yeah, I'm gonna wait for Tyson Kidd to come, dude. I'm gonna lose my shit. <laughs> Daniel Bryan. Oh, dude, I'm gonna lose my shit. Like, like when Edge came back in the in, in the Royal, Royal Rumble. Rumble. Oh my god, <laughs> I could not believe it. You know, and it's like one of those things. And that's one thing I kept wondering too when we kept getting into these Royal Rumbles: Is Warrior gonna come? Yeah. When is Warrior coming? But yeah, you're right. You know, when you when you get into something like that, and there's a lot of these people says that he was green and raw, but you know what? There's still a lot of raw green wrestlers now. Definitely. And stuff. When you when you put them side by side, because like I said, you know, I I was always in love with that type of wrestler. Someone that can just make you jump out of your seat because of, one, their physique, the power in their moves. The moves were kind of simple, too. Like, you look at Ultimate Warrior's move, well, he had the gorilla press, and then he had the... Uh, why can't I think of it right now? The, the one where he jumps... Right on top of him. He even had the shoulder hit almost kind of. Yeah, the shoulder hit. He had the splash. The splash. You know, like the something like the spear. Yeah, the clothesline. And like know. even like Goldberg's finisher. You know what I mean? If you think about it and you kind of just rewind and you kind of look at both matches. Once once Ultimate Warrior's match was over, the music hits. He's running around the ring like his head's on fire. He's grabbing the rope, shaking the shit out of him. Goldberg kind of did a similar thing, man. The music hits. It's got that drum beat. All these cool things. He grabs the ropes, and one of the things that I always re- that I'll always remember about Bill Goldberg is the physique, the way that he would, you know, the the fa- the facial expressions, and when he grabbed those ropes, and you just see those traps come out of his shoulders and reach almost the middle of his head. Yeah, like they were touching his ears. But this is the time. It, it's it. There's such a similarity between the two because you get that same type of rush, yeah. you know? 
when Goldberg's coming in, what what does he do? You get that banging on the door. You, he he hits the door with his forehead. And it's funny. You're like, and he's got you security got this, bringing him in. this big old freaking guy who's got security guy going to escort him to the ring. <laughs> you're like, well, what the hell's wrong with this and guy? And he's even got that twitch, bro. Like, when you see him, like, you know, you're yeah. like, damn, something's not right with this dude. You know, <laughs> good luck to the guy that he's going against. Yeah. You had the same thing with Warrior. That's what I was saying, you know, when, when, I, when I really thought about it. And, you know, when I was preparing for this podcast, I was just, you know, I was watching some old Warrior matches. And then, for some reason, Goldberg kept coming into my head. Goldberg didn't say a lot on the mic. You know, some of the stuff that he did say, it was, you know, it was interesting. You know, it, it was real quick. It wasn't anything prolonged. Like, what you would get from Warrior, you would get from, like, The Rock or Stone Cold or, you know, any yeah. of these other ones. But the way the dude was built and the physique, he didn't need it. You know? He could come in and say, you're next. And everybody's, you know, shit would go on fire. Yep. Warrior kind of had, you know... Not necessarily the same gimmick, because like I said, you know, there's times we listened to him, we didn't know what the fuck he said. But, you know, right at the end, you know, whatever whatever line he would drop, you're pumped up. You're just like, I just want to see this dude get in the ring and destroy somebody. So, that's where I was kind of going down that lane with it, and I kind yeah. of wanted to see what you had thought about it. But, you know, just a couple, you know, just some really cool things and like i said you know just such an iconic character in 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 wrestling history for us i now in my age hearing all the stories and everything about him would it have dissuaded or would it have changed my mind about about him absolutely not i'd still be a fucking fan of him you didn't see that side you saw what came out and the showmanship and the and the and the performance that's what i was all about yeah you know that's what sold me. But, you know, taking that aside, getting to meet Dana, getting to hear the stories, you know, the, the good stories about about Ultimate Warrior. Because, you know, a lot of people can be biased. You know, if they're jealous of somebody that's so iconic and has so much talent, maybe you are going to talk negative. Mm -hmm. You know? But getting to see the other side with all these doc documentaries and stuff like that, that's one of the things that I can appreciate so much when we do stuff like this you know when we have that locker room talk when we talk about these old iconic wrestlers you know we get to educate Flo because Flo was a diehard wrestling fan for a period of time he was all about the Hardys you know but there's times where I would pull Flo off to the side and I'm like dude check out this and he's blown away yeah. like you know I got him hooked for a while on the you know the whole transition of when WWE bought out WCW yeah. and we had the one of the greatest battles and in, in all honesty, some of the greatest storytelling in the shows, you know, Flo was losing his shit because, you know, WCW was kind of pulling out, you know, a lot of cheating tactics and stuff like that. But that was the story. That's what made it so great. Every week you were excited to see what was going to happen, you know, and it, and it rolled down into, you know, you had, what was the Thursday show? Was it SmackDown at that time? SmackDown, yeah. So, you know, the stories carried themselves. So you had Raw and then you had SmackDown. Yeah. And everything was just flowing, you know. It it was just it was a really great time. Any last thoughts on on Warrior or anything oh, that you can think of? The only thing about Warrior is, like I said, like you said, man, man's life ended way too soon. And the lasting memory that I have of Warrior was his Hall of Fame induction. And a lot of people were kind of wondering where was he going to go with this, yeah, and stuff. And they were worried about yeah. his speech. They were worried about his speech and everything. Hell, they even show it in his doc the documentary. Vince is like, I don't want to hear it. You go out there, this is your time. You say what you're going to say. The cool thing about it was Linda McMahon inducting him. I and, thought that was really cool. And, and no one really knew, why is Linda McMahon inducting him? But then you get the story of how he spent many nights there at the McMahon's house. Yeah. You know? Shane jumping all Shane over jumping him. Shane jumping all over him. <laughs> running up, beating him and him and stuff. And, you know, and this is where you get like, Envious, you know, Shane and Stephanie, they got to grow up around all these oh great my God, talent, man. man. And they can tell these stories forever and stuff. And you're like, <laughs> as being a big wrestling fan, you're like, you're just so jealous. Yep. And stuff. And you're like, damn it. You know, but the thing is, is and then even like how Steen said it when he came back on Raw the next, on, on Monday, and he said, every man's going to breathe their last breath. You know, you know what was crazy but, is when they were talking about that. The uh, when he showed up on Raw and he was inside the ring, they mentioned the you know the way that he was sweating. Yeah, 
Uh, they mentioned just the story that he told. Yeah. It's like he knew. Yeah. It's like he knew I'm leaving. And that's, it was... That's, and that's legendary. And, and, and that's the thing, dude. It just... It haunts me and it hurts me because then you hear stories about other wrestlers when they leave. Like, I'm from El Paso. So, in El Paso, what do you think of? Eddie Guerrero. There you go. <laughs> Latino heat, baby. Right. And the funny thing was is my father and my uncles and all them, they grew up with the Guerreros. And they went to school with them and stuff. So, it's history. It's nostalgia and stuff. And then, to you know, when to hear, like, when Eddie Guerrero passed, man. It's yeah. like... And the and the thing is is when you even listen to on a documentary with him in twenty four seven, there um Vicky Guerrero is telling you that she missed a call from him. And it was hours right before he died. So she was like, and I have it saved and I listened to it. Yeah. Because his lasting thoughts were of me before he left this world. Right. And you gotta wonder with the warrior because I know he was with Dana when he had his massive heart attack and he passed away in Arizona. And stuff, and you gotta wonder what was going through that man's mind, right? And what he was saying to her, and you don't expect her to ever say this is what our final conversation was, but the way that this man and everyone embraced him in wrestling, and the way he spoke so highly of his children, his two daughters, his wife, his mother. Hell, look, even at his in, in his Hall of Fame induction, he brought roses and flowers, yeah, to his kids, his wife, his mother. Thanking them when and it's, stuff. it's about him And it's about him And he made it about His entire family Yeah And that's always Going to stick with me And stuff Because at the end of the day It doesn't matter Family is always What comes first There you and, go and, and that's what I loved About that man And that's what's Going to stick with me Forever And until we meet Up in the gates Man Trust me man And I know you We're going to have A hell of a time up there And oh, I'm going to have So many no. questions He's going to be like Why'd you bring this fool up here? Right You know <laughs> <laughs> Give them a U-turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a great way to end the episode. And just like that, people, time gets away from from you when you are having fun. Funkaholics, subscribe, download, share. Tell anybody, tell everybody. Hit that five-star rating. Just help out your boys. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing, guys, to be able to bring this type of content to you guys. We want to keep doing it. Everything and anything helps. The shares, the likes, the follows on Instagram, Facebook will be coming soon, and that five-star rating. I can't tell you how much that helps us. So with all that said, we're going to go ahead and sign off, and I'm going to leave you with a quote from the man himself. Warrior, we miss you from up above. Dig your claws into my organs. Stretch into my tendons. Bury your anchors into my bones, for the power of the warrior will always prevail. Truth right there. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you soon. We wish you all the best. Till next time.